Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by Fubo TV, your home for global soccer and more. Find top leagues, international club competitions, and national level teams. FIFA World Cup qualifiers, English Premier League, La Liga, Champions League, Europa League, Bundesliga, and more, as well as in market sports leagues like the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and more than 65 live channels including HGTV, E, and History Channel. You can get Fubo TV on the App Store, Google Play, Chromecast, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, and Android TV. Go to Fubo TV, that's F-U-B-O dot TV slash ringer for a free seven-day trial. Welcome to Ringer FC. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com. Coming back a little late from international break on the G5 straight from Greece. It's Micah Peters. You do what you want when you're popping, man. Are you uh, uh, are you well rested? <laughs> are you disappointed? I am. I am well rested. I'm. I'm. I'm slightly disappointed. I didn't get that dream move to PSG. Didn't did get you? The dream move to PSG. <laughs> what does uh, that mean? That you didn't get his dream move to Bleacher Report? Barstool. Yeah, I'm sorry, Barstool. They, know, just, they three, didn't put enough money up front for you, man. Three, We're not going six million a year for five years. Three or four days of training, quote unquote, and then I'll be ready to be back in the first team. Yeah, Mike is jet lag. Ryan's here. <laughs> The Nemanja Matic of this podcast just just sweeping up the for the back four. I promise to shake your hand after this podcast. Just get out of my technical area. <laughs> it's the Ringer FC. We are back, uh, and we're here to talk about a Premier League weekend that I think we could probably all agree did not present the most sparkling football we've ever seen. And I blame the international break, and that brings us to our first massive overreaction, which is ban the international break. I understand there is a need to qualify for these World Cup tournaments for the European for the European Championships. I understand. I get it. I like summer football a lot, but it, there's something wrong with the idea of having all this hype, all this anticipation, all this buildup. We're so psyched, and then from our perspective as 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 North Americans, like we get like Premier League starts, like we're not bored in August. Like we've got it going. We're getting we're starting to get the sense of what these teams can do, and then all of a sudden everybody flies to Chile. Like, what the hell? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I mean, like, Christian Pulisic's got to get on a friggin' plane and fly to Honduras and get kicked 15 times? That doesn't seem right. I don't understand. Like, I kind of personally think that there has got to be, I mean, everything in world soccer, you're like, there's got to be a better way to do this than the transfer market, right? Like, this seems weird. But with the qualifiers, I just wonder whether or not they should have, like, a micro-tournament in the summer and then just let the Premier League play through. I think that, that it's just also coming from a perspective of somebody... Who like you know in these European countries? I think the national team is obviously you know for some people that's the more it's more important than the club competitions, right? Like if you're like a Leighton Orient fan, you probably are like, well, I guess I cheer for England when it comes to like stuff that's really on television. I don't know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just I felt like a distinct dip in uh, skill level or at least execution this weekend. And I d- couldn't help but think a lot of it was because these guys have all played two games. A lot of them are jet lagged. Some of them are flying back from South America. And I just felt like it was a disappointing round of games. Yeah, I mean, like you can always tell. I mean, like it's people are leggy. The, the the movement isn't nearly as good as it was two weeks ago. It's like kind of like everybody's still buffering. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. I mean, like, you know, somebody catches a late playing back, somebody gets injured, somebody scores an own goal. Somebody, somebody... gives a radio, radio Catalan interview about how disappointed <laughs> they are that they have to like spend another season in Northwest England. Yeah. Yeah. It's an absolute mess. I it's, and then it's just kind of like, you got to start back from, not from zero. That's, that's too strong. I don't want to say that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm going to say that we shouldn't overreact to this. Okay. Um, two weeks ago, 20 goals total this past weekend 28 i like seeing goals i like seeing goals too do you think man united wins three nothing if they're not all coming back from international break i know that's what jose Mourinho says yeah um that's also what i would say (laughs) i think to me i think as fans it definitely sucks because it's like this the momentum for the season is just getting going and then the guys leave for it's two weeks, you know, it's, it's not just a week, it's two weeks between games. Um, I think this one is maybe, maybe it seems worse than other ones because the transfer window ended during the international break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like you have all of these new players coming in and they're coming into teams that aren't even together where all of their best players are gone. Yeah. So like you, there's no time to integrate the players in. So I think that that probably compounds it, but it also, you know, it's sort of a, the international breaks, if you have a team of all European players, that's fine. But if you have a team of North American and South American players, they have to travel across the world. That definitely seemed to just imp- deeply affected. impact Manchester City this weekend. <laughs> I can't say that if I the mean, result had been flipped in Liverpool Man City, I'd probably be like, I love the international break. It's I, a time to really realize I'm, like your, your brotherhood with you your fellow yourself. countrymen. I believe Sadio Mane found out uh, last week that one of the games he played was Senegal against South Africa now needs to be replayed because the ref was in on a fix with the game um, and FIFA isn't going to count the result. So you have to account for that also with all of the effects of the international break. Well, let's get into that. So I personally find nothing more boring to talk about than refereeing decisions. It seems to be something that English people can talk about for days on end. It is now Tuesday. They're still talking about the Sadio Mane red card. I guess I understand like if you make a decision like that, obviously it just completely changes the shape of the game. Liverpool's decision to just go breakneck after Man City with 10 men still and have Dejan Lovren standing 50 yards from the goal, uh, I think has a lot to do with the fact that they lost 5-0. <laughs> um, instead of just packing it in and just being like, we're going to try and get out of here with a ba- like a decent goal differential. Yeah, But uh, Sadio Mane uh, goes for a lo- looping through ball, I guess, like kind of a chip, chip pass. Uh, Ederson, the goalie for uh, Manchester City, comes rushing out of his goal in the Manuel Neuer tradition. But unlike Manuel Neuer, leads with his face towards the ball. Uh, Sadio Mane was already going for the ball. I, I I definitely think that that was like reckless. I guess. I mean, it was. I I think that once you're outside of the box, kind of things happen or whatever. But um, I guess I'm asking two questions. One is, did you guys think it was ascending off, or did you guys think absolutely? That, yeah, okay. I mean, like it's a, it's okay. So it happened. No, <laughs> I'm saying Paul, like Pogba fan club member. <laughs> no, listen, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. You know, I mean, like if you're a striker, you kind of like you got to go for that. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's if no. If he backed out of that, I would have been like, what's going on? Man? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you would have been like, what's what is your deal if you if you pull out of that challenge? But at the same time, if you, I mean, like studs to the face is a red card. It yeah. doesn't matter what the what the, the context is. Why are we? Why do we say studs? to the face and not face to the studs. I know. What about Sadio Mane's feet? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't even... I wasn't prepared to argue the opposite way on that because I don't feel like there's any sort of way that you can talk about... There's no such thing as like 
you know, like reckless endangerment being like incidental, like, yeah. you know, it, it is, it is what it is. Like, you know, you have to go into that challenge, but at the same time, if you come off with like Ederson's skin on your, on the, on your studs, like that's just like you, it's a red card. There's no, I mean, uh, Richie should have got a red card in the Newcastle game. Yeah. I guess but, passion and grit have just been removed from the game. Yeah, uh, I do like, want to say, though, <laughs> you know, a couple weeks ago when uh, Liverpool put four on Arsenal, we were just like, you know, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. Uh, and we were acting like it would be unfair and, and not, it wouldn't be right to not acknowledge that Man City was really good. Like in yeah. the second half, Man City was very good. Now they're playing against 10 men who all were like, we're supposed to be. Uh, pressing high up the field and try to f- counterattack, right? So it didn't really. It w- the Liverpool did not like present a challenge per se in the second half, but I was really impressed by like some of their Gabriel Jesus is merciless. Awesome yeah, it's, it's, and he's so good. the fact that he has like these five forwards is just not fair. I mean, but also like if you think about that, it was one zero already when Mane gets sent off in the thirty seventh minute. Pack it in, like save some That's what face. I'm saying. Like <laughs> put Gurich on. <laughs> yeah, pack it in, like because I mean, like if that happens, if that happens, Reno goes down two zero, loses a man. The game is finishing two zero. Yeah. like it's yeah, it's not going to end up being eight. I think Man City, it gets lost in this that Man City was they outplayed Liverpool before the red card. Yeah, Liverpool yeah. had the one Salah chance, which, as we're learning, Salah needs three chances basically every game to score and he right. usually gets them. Luckily um, Liverpool like create chances yeah, at a very high exactly high rate. Yeah. Um, but after that, to me, I kind of looked at it like, I mean, you don't ever want to lose a game five nothing. But, you know, he took off Salah at halftime and that wasn't a tactical sub. That was him taking off Salah because they have a Champions League game coming yeah. up this week. So mm. it, to me, if anything, it was like they literally didn't even try to get a goal back. They just sort of completely capitulated and like working your ass off for what was it? 65 minutes. It would have been against a Pep Guardiola team. That's just pinging the ball all across the field is a really good way to just quickly kill all of your players legs before you play two games in a row. So I think, I think there is some like Mm -hmm. actual squad management behind, uh, the result being five zero. Sarah Huckabee Sanders <laughs> Liverpool. This is amazing. Yeah, just like, this is basically a really, really thin silver lining if you squint really hard. I just think it's interesting. It's also fascinating that we're still talking about this. We're just talking about this now. I, it would be like as if I don't feel like people talk about the refereeing in Seattle Green Bay four days after the game. They talk about whether or not Russell Wilson had enough protection from his offensive line. You know, even though yeah. the refereeing in Seattle Green Bay probably cost Seattle that game. And, yeah. and it's not the first time that a yeah. refereeing in Seattle Green Bay has cost Seattle yeah. a game. So um, I think that that's like, a, it's just an interesting difference in the way like different countries and different press groups of yeah. media like view the game and there's like a whole industry in england where they have like all these ex-referees who have yeah. columns and they're just like that well, was a red that was a yellow the, the guardian used to have the like you're, the, ref, right? you're the ref yeah you're the ref that's right yeah i'm not quite sure why that is i think it does tie into what you're saying about like i think there's like an overarching philosophy in britain of like if you try hard enough like things will go your way sure and then um, the ref took it away from you yeah and if the ref is red giving a red card to a guy who is essentially just like trying as hard as he possibly could. It fucking drives people insane. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on from Liverpool. 
<laughs> I don't know. I was quite enjoying that. Uh, they, they play against Sevilla this week in the Champions League. Another team that is going to be in the Champions League. They're playing today, I believe, against yep. Basel is Manchester United, mm-hmm. who dropped their first points of the season when they ran into Kurt Zuma, a.k.a. the new Maldini. Is Kurt Zuma <laughs> the greatest defender in the history of the sport? Riot. <laughs> yes. He's... Yeah. Paolo Maldini in James Harrison's body. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Kurt Zuma uh, is a Chelsea Chelsea player on mm-hmm. loan at Stoke. I it like begs believe, 75% of the rest of the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why he is not on this Chelsea team, I can't imagine why. He's an absolute brick shithouse of like a person. Yeah. But like, yeah. I've seen him. Hasn't he played a little bit of DM? He's played a little bit of defensive mid, right? I mean, like, he he's did. very good with his feet. Yeah. I mean, like, he's, he's kind of like Eric Dyer if Eric Dyer was also like another Eric Dyer on where. Wearing an Eric Dyer skin, you know, like, sorry, can acquit himself with his feet. I'll yeah. say that. I don't, yeah. I don't want to seem very good. That's too strong. What an interesting game. Uh, you know, like very touchy. This was one of the games where I was like, these guys seem a little like the United guys seem a little like not quite like focused on on I this mean, game and not quite all there. Yeah, the like the attacking play like early on was pretty stagnant, and then I mean like they have that inadvertent equalizer from Marcus Rashford like right before halftime. Uh, Stole it from Paul Pogba. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and like they go up two one, and then it's just kind of like the the mark. Like okay, Chupa Moting had a great game. We'll get to him. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. But like the marking was disastrous. How are you feeling about Phil Jones? Phil Jones. I think he's still laying in the six yard he's box. He's still on his lying back. down on his back, you know, just kind of gazing up at Phil the, the blank responsible space. for David De Gea's reputation as the best goalkeeper in the world because he's so bad. Yeah. De Gea just has to make these incredible saves. Well, that was <laughs> the Stokes second goal comes on a corner kick after De Gea made like one of the greatest the saves. The greatest. Oh, like, it was a it game was incredible. Saving. He's great. Um, I hate I, him so much. I do think that. Uh, I, I kind of, I'm kind of very curious about this, and we're going to talk about another center back in a, in a few minutes. But this has been a major conversation about you know who you're buying. Liverpool not having a plan B when they didn't get Van Dyke. Man City had been sort of in for Johnny Evans, but then we're just kind of like, I guess we'll just keep Mangala and and this sort of like the strange market around center backs, but also like how we value them and what they've done. And this is something you and I have talked about a little bit in the past, I think is because of the tactical systems that a lot of uh, football, the best football teams play, which generally higher up the pitch. They put a lot of pressure on center backs to cover a lot of ground and be very athletic. And then, I think they they get a lot of the blame in a weird way. Like you used to have like a lot more criticism of keepers. I feel like five years ago. And now it's like, Oh, these center backs are just a complete mess, but it's like, they're not really being put in a position among the top, what 12 teams like in the world, you never really hear anything. I mean, I guess man city with Bravo last year was the one exception, but you never really like, there's never a real discussion about this. I was watching Barcelona and they were talking about Stegen in a kind of negative way. And they were up five, nothing. And it was kind of like, well, what are you really arguing about? But but it's what you're saying. Yeah. It's a lot of teams play these systems that push their fullbacks up really high and then they press. And if you break through the press and the fullbacks are pushed up high, it's four attackers running in on two center backs who have like 60 yards of space behind them to cover. Yeah, yeah. And you're just naturally going to look like an idiot trying to defend that. And I think yeah. we've, we've learned, I, I don't mean to keep talking about Liverpool that you can just like kind of clip that and repeat it over and over and again for every <laughs> podcast. You do. But the Dejan Lovren case is actually very telling. Like, and I've read a couple of things this week about this, where it was like, his reputation grew at Southampton playing in a system where he wasn't required to play this far up the pitch. So his skills were like 
he was put in the best place to succeed at Southampton. And he comes to Liverpool and he's been the frequent target of ire from Liverpool fans because he's not quite playing the way he's supposed to be playing, with a guy like that is supposed to be playing. So the reason why I bring, bring this up in the first place at all is just to see someone like Mark Hughes who plays a pretty practical system. I and mean, he buys talented players who maybe hasn't haven't quite fit in in other teams. He yeah. gets, that's like his market inefficiency is to get a Shakiri or somebody who hasn't quite yeah. fit in. And with Zuma... It's just a really savvy loan deal. And he's putting Zuma in the middle of a central defense with another guy like Shawcross, who's like a pretty decent center back. And they're just playing in a very practical way that allows Zuma to do the things he's good at, which is physically dominate the box. Yeah, well, well, they're playing with three in the back like every yeah. other team. And they also got Kevin Vimmer from Tottenham. Yeah. Who's yeah. like good. Jeff Cameron, despite what you see with the national team is a Does good Shawcross player. not play for them as much? No. Oh, well, um, take back what I said. <laughs> it's end of an era there. No. Um, it's too bad Aaron Ramsey must be it's, really it's, broken it's, up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's exactly what you're talking about, though. Like, Zuma, they let him play as, like, the right-sided center back, so he just has room to be aggressive because if you're playing in a pair of center backs and you try to intercept a pass and you don't get to it, there's one center back behind you with three. Yeah. He can be more aggressive. You always have an, the idea being that like you always have another yeah. center back for the amount of attackers. There's an extra center back there. Plus, to help. it provides yeah. him with a little bit of space on the right side to try to get forward. Um, and it, yeah, it's it puts him in a position to like make highlights as a defender. Essentially, mm. did you ever find that when you used to play that the defensive line, especially the center backs, got undue criticism when it wasn't really their fault? It was more how the coach was deploying them, or did you play in pretty conservative teams when you would play? I guess like my thing was is not necessarily like I, I I wasn't worried about what kind of criticism they got. The thing is that like Great it's teammate. yeah seriously <laughs> it was it, I mean the way that a lot of the teams that I played on would just be booming the ball out of the back. Oh, I mean like but they could also play and it was about getting it wide and getting up the line and they'd cross it in okay. or whatever. It wasn't necessarily like. The guys didn't need to be Gerard Piquet. They didn't need to be Gerard Piquet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, but I mean, like, I definitely do think that there is a lot of emphasis put on the center backs when really it is from front to back. Like, it's a team defensive effort. If, right. like, your forward's not pressing or if you're not pressing as a team or if you're not playing the system, like, adequately or, or moving in consort with the players that are to your left and to your right and behind you or whatever, like, the whole system yeah, breaks down why, and I mean, it like, falls it, on that. That's why I'm not getting too ahead of myself with Arsenal's 3 nothing win is because when they play teams like Bournemouth who are, like, not particularly talented but try to play a little bit of football, they're just always going to win 3 nothing. Yeah, they did, mean, they did, the, Every year there's, like, an ar- Arsenal either goes on a run or has, like, a lot of really good victories over lesser opponents who try to play a little bit of football and then they just, like, carve them to pieces. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's probably why they struggle with Stoke. Yeah. Because Stoke. Stoke's like, no. And yeah. Yeah, and that's why like, if Ozil doesn't want to work against Stoke, he, they're, they're going to get punished a little bit for it. All right, let's go into some zonal question marks for the weekend and we'll just take a quick break and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Fubo TV. If you watch live soccer, and we know you do because you were listening to a soccer podcast, so I hope that live soccer is part of your life, you need Fubo TV. Fubo TV is the live sports app that lets soccer fans finally cut the cord for good. No more expensive cable or satellite packages needed to watch your teams. They have all the top leagues, plus international club competitions and national level games. Stream live FIFA World Cup qualifiers, English Premier League, La Liga, Champions League, Europa League, Bundesliga, Serie A, Liga 1, Liga Mex, MLS, 
and on and on. In fact, they go beyond soccer to show live prone college football, baseball, and basketball games, plus top shows and movies live and on demand on over 65 live TV channels. And here's the best part. Fubo TV is offering Ringer FC listeners a free seven-day trial. That's right. Just go to fubo.tv slash ringer. That's F-U-B-O dot TV slash R-I-N-G-E-R to click the button to redeem your free trial. And that's it. After that, it's just $19.99 per month for the first two months. Watch all you want, record games, stream them on all your devices, your phone, your tablet, your computer, Apple TV, Roku, you name it. Just go to fubo.tv slash ringer. That's F-U-B-O dot TV slash ringer to redeem your free seven-day trial. Fubo.tv, the most live sports for the least money. All right, so guys, little question marks for the weekend. Who was the best new arrival you saw? So a guy on a new team, guy who's either new to the league or new to the team that they were on. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain for Liverpool. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. Wait, hasn't it been since in the games that he's played in, like Liverpool have conceded nine goals? (laughs) Well, yeah. No, there's been nine goals. His team has conceded nine goals, and his debut for Arsenal was when they lost 8-2 to Man U. So real real good Good start for him. Uh, My actual answer would be... Eric Chupamoting yeah, for that's Stoke. It. That's the guy. Um, who scored twice. Not exactly a, a fresh daisy. 28 years old, right? No, Stoke got him on a free transfer. He, Shaka. He, he dunked, I would say, on Phil Jones. Turned him into <laughs> okay. Eric. He turned okay. him into Eric okay. Bledsoe. Okay, okay, all right. Let's relax. Okay, listen. I, I think that Chupamoting was exceptional in the game. I'm just saying that, like, he was given a lot of chances, and he took those chances. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, like... Thinking about saving the first goal, Baye doesn't step over to cut off the cross. Phil Jones tries to cheat up yeah. like like he's looking for the cutback pass and then just leaves Chupa Motang by himself. Right. Yeah. Like again, the second goal he scores, Phil Jones just like suddenly loses all of his motor skills on the back post. That happens. And just just more you know, often like than not. <laughs> well, I mean, like he was like, yeah, he was looking at he had his eye on the he had his eye on the player, then turns to look at the ball, tries to go up for the header, gets wrong-footed, falls backwards, and, like, Chupa Moteng's wide open. Total football. Yeah. Um, Chupa Moteng, like, I mean, the, the one thing that I thought was interesting was uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever it was, we were sitting here talking about Jesse, the uh, the the PSG loanee, or was he bought from PSG or loaned from PSG? Loaned. Loaned. And we were like, oh, and I, I did notice... Not that he, not, I don't think this is really true at all, but like he had a couple of plays against Manchester United where you could tell he could feel like Chupa Moting was like the new cool guy. And yeah. he was like, no, no, no. And <laughs> yeah. he definitely like, like basically looked him off when he was wide open and tried yeah. to do like 19 step overs past yeah. Maddich and Maddich would just like sweep him aside <laughs> and take the ball away from him. So Jesse was dealing with uh, being out of the spotlight. Well, Can't I deal with the guy with cooler hair scoring more goals than you. It's just not, it doesn't work out for you. Uh, let me ask you really quickly. Is Stoke for real? I think they're a solid like number 10 team in the Premier League with a, because of the players they buy, they have a little potential to maybe outperform where yeah, they're normally expected. They're in twelfth. I mean, like we're only they're in twelfth games they, in, but they've but played yeah. Arsenal and Man U. Yeah, and so. I, I so I wonder whether or not you know as the Huddersfields, Burnleys, West Broms, and Newcastles, and and Watford start to drop down, is Stoke the kind of team that could get up, maybe even get ahead of Everton in these in these standings? Yeah, I think of all the teams you mentioned, I think Watford has looked really good, but the other teams of all like outside of the top five. 
maybe even top four after what Liverpool did this past weekend. Like, no one has looked great. Yeah. So, um, and Stoke has been, they've been consistent, I yeah, think. Yeah. I mean, like, also, like, after the game, uh, Mourinho talking about, like, I really wish I would have put Fellaini on the bench, which... Um, but also, like, I don't really Because he wants this. he knows when he has a 2-1 lead, he wants you to really save it. You really just want Fel- Fellaini's, like, you know, just world-class chest in there. Yeah. But, no, the I don't really dig the easy line about, you know, Stoke just being a purely physical team. And they actually played some like pretty. They looked really good. Yeah, yeah. they're not a uh, your dad's Stoke. Yeah, yeah. no, they've, they've definitely <laughs> become. They've come through the other side. This is sort of like if you th- thought about all the t- Tony Pulis Stoke teams. This is Mark Hughes adding a little bit of flair, a little bit of skill on the wings yeah. and up the yeah. middle, and like and, and they, they they look decent. My best new arrival. This is pretty easy for me. Was Davinson Sanchez um, for Tottenham? Weird buy. Club record by 44, 45 million pounds or euros. I'm not sure, but it was a lot. Of course, Daniel Levy in uh, the black for the transfer yeah, market. Yeah. But I thought it was strange. Why buy another center back? You got the best two center backs in the league. I guess it was for cover. I guess it was, you know, they, they're, they're not going to punt on Champions League, mm. uh, which is fine. But I thought he was amazing. And uh, he had initially been rumored to play on, be playing on the right, like in that Kurzoma rule that you were talking about, the right of a back three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took the sweeper rule. He took Toby mm-hmm. Alderwald's uh, role. And he was incredible. Yeah. He was incredible. Just a couple of stats from Squawka. 87% pass completion percentage, uh, 10 clearances, three interceptions. And he put Sandro on his ass like multiple times, like super physical. Guys yeah. come to the Premier League sometimes, they're like, oh, it's really fast and guys are strong. It's like, nope, this dude was just like bossing Grown it. When he man. made mistakes, yeah. he was able to fix them, which is something like Eric Bailly. We talk a lot about center backs today. Uh, Bailly, I thought, was like, he would screw up and then be so screwed up like he couldn't fix it. Yeah. Sanchez made a couple of positioning mistakes. He did a couple of like risky, I'm going to head it to the side rather than then get it out of danger here. And I thought he was able to really fix this stuff. And also, I have to say, for as much as I like Victor Wanyama, I I, I just thought it was great to see Eric Dyer back in defensive midfield. Yeah, well, that's... It seemed like a weird transfer because Tottenham is, like, one of the teams we look at as one who's, like, spoiled for choice with center backs. But when you think about it, it's sort of a... In a way, it's like them signing a defensive midfielder because it lets... If Sanchez can do it, it lets Dyer slide into the midfield, so it gives him another option there. Um, and it, it, it helps that Aldevireld has the ability to kind of play on that outside yeah. position because um, he has some experience as a fullback, and he's just incredible at hitting those, like, 60-yard diagonal balls across the field and playing. I think it's easier for Sanchez to slot right into the middle when you have a guy like Aldevireld and Vertonghen on each side of him, too. We're going to talk about Everton soon, I think, but I just wanted to ask, Christian Eriksen continues his... I can make this. <laughs> uh, and I, after seeing what he did with Denmark, like I understand, um, yeah. he's definitely got his hair transplant, and it's just like I'm the guy. I, I think he's probably he's one of my favorite midfielders in the world. Like I love watching him play. Yeah. But if you ever played with a dude who's like, I got this. Yes, <laughs> I absolutely have. They're everywhere. Like it's like, especially like this this club team I used to play on in uh, in high school. And this, like, as soon as he, like, he came to play with us, U seventeen year. You can name names. We're still we're growing podcasts. I can't remember his. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Like, but I mean, would just be hoofing from like thirty seven yards out. Was it Bobby Wood? <laughs> yes, it was Bobby Wood. <laughs> Those guys are the best because they would like step on the ball, roll it forward, kind Look of think up. for a second, and then just hit it. And just thirty be like, yards. Fuck it, I'm doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and then they just like put their hand up to like try. Yeah, to, be like, yeah, yeah. sorry my guys, bad. my bad. Didn't, my bad. See you. Didn't, my bad. See you. <laughs> Didn't see you wide open there. Yeah. Right? 
I just I, I enjoy watching them play, but there's a couple of times where I felt like they were trying to put together like a really nice like pass and move movement to, in in the last third, and then and then Erickson would be like Wonder I'm, goals only. Arin Robin. <laughs> uh, what was the worst Super Sunday match that you guys saw? We asked because now it's a Champions League week, so a lot of the big teams are playing on Saturdays. Uh, Micah, what was the worst Super Sunday match? Burnley Palace, easily. The Frank de Boer funeral. Yeah. I mean, like, it was honestly, inside three minutes, Lee Chung Young plays the most gorgeous through ball to the other team I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's 1-0, and then, I mean, like, Burnley just made them work for everything for yeah. the rest of the, I mean, Scott Dan... Just Ugh. blows like retire. Two, yeah, just retire. <laughs> Scott Dan's name. Did Scott Dan really controversial? <laughs> I gotta look this up. Keep talking. Yeah, so I mean, and then on top of that, it's just like honestly, Crystal Palace, zero points, no goals in their first four games. And and this is honestly the best game that they have played all season. Yeah. Oh, Scott Dan ruptured <laughs> testicle. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Yes, That's there you go. That's this from his great Wikipedia page. In December, Dan scored his first goal for the Rovers, but also suffered a ruptured testicle, an injury which was expected to keep him out for six weeks while scoring the goal. Yeah, <laughs> that's, wow. Um, that's a lot of jokes. That I'm yeah, just not going to make. Was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just um, try to pepper us with these interesting facts. And then it was something like Palace had like something like twenty. 23 chances to Burnley's four the entire yeah. game. Was it? Is that an indication? We could talk about Frank DeBoer now. Frank yeah, DeBoer has been the it. first manager who's been let go this season. An obscenely hot, hot seat from almost the first match. They didn't score a goal in his four games in charge. He left, leaves Crystal Palace. He was let go from Crystal Palace after four games. 77 he days. was only in charge of Inter for 84 days. 85. Is that correct? So he is not apparently the coolest guy to hang out with at the office. Uh, and, you know, now it's like maybe he'll go back to Ajax. There's some rumors about that. Or maybe he's just damaged goods. I don't know. What do you think's going on here? I'd rather blame the clubs than than the manager okay, in yeah. this situation. I think Inter has was sort of a disaster when he went there. So, and he took over for Roberto Mancini, which is yeah. not an easy gig. Right? Um, and Inter has since hired and fired another manager um, since DeBoer was there. Um, and Palace, like... It just doesn't make any sense. The just listen to the four guys they had before DeBoer. It was Ian Holloway, former Blackpool manager, Tony Poulos, <laughs> Alan Pardew, mm-hmm. and Sam Ellardice. Yeah, that's just like <laughs> can you could you think of four more like generic British managers to have in a row? So here's my argument for Crystal Palace. I don't really have one, but I do think that they want they want to do what most clubs want to do in the Premier League, which is stay in the Premier League against no matter what. Like and they will if they think they have stability, they'll entertain the idea of bringing on somebody who can have them play a little bit more attractive football. I think that there's like this weird psychology with these teams where the money is so significant now that staying in the league is the most important thing possible. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you just can't give DeBoer 10, 12 games to figure it out. I get that. You shouldn't have hired him in the first place. I, I honestly do think that like, I've kind of like come around to where I'm like Burnley's just makes a lot of sense. Like what Burnley's doing where they've like can sell a Michael Keane for 30 million, keep their place in the league and play like this and like they're actually not even that bad this season like they're not that bad to watch I don't think like they're they're not great to watch I'd prefer to watch like anything else yeah. but it's been worse yeah and I kind of understand like how yeah. important it, it is a team like Crystal Palace could just I mean look at what happened to Birmingham man like look at what's, what's happening some of these clubs they're just Wiggins out of the league I know Crystal Palace is is much a bigger club than Wigan but it's it is it's scary if you're not 
if you're not an established team like Villa, like look at Villa. Like I would I would do anything you had to do to stay in the league. Going into the season when Crystal Palace was like not really sure what they were gonna do after Sam Auer DJ. Mm-hmm. Like they're the last two managers in you know on the short list were Roy Hodgson and Frank DeBoer, which is like a clear indication you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. Like and you can't give Frank DeBoer a team that was, you know, crafted by Sam Allardyce. No, but I mean, well, he doesn't, it's not like he's got Wilfred Zaha, they have Christian Bateke, they have, I mean, like, yeah. Johan Kobay is on the team, like, they're not, like... It's not like they're terrible. I'm not saying, like, they're good, I'm just saying, yeah. like, I mean, that's not Charlie Adam and John Walters, though. Yeah, but I mean, I think we ha- you have to, it's bizarre that they hired a director of football after, after they hired the manager. Yeah. That was bad. Yeah. That's, that was a bad sign. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, let's look at Crystal Palace's numbers. They haven't scored a goal. Expected goals has those are, them, those are good numbers. <laughs> has them at, has them at four point five goals, which is like by far the biggest discrepancy in the league. Um, so what does that mean? Does that mean they're just not they're creating? Yeah, they're creating like this, chances. Yes. Scott Dan has a header that he's what three yards from the three yards, and the like, keeper isn't anywhere in sight, and he heads it directly into the ground. And Benteke's missed a ton of chances, but Benteke has a history of just consistently scoring goals. Mm-hmm. It, maybe they're not going to come in the first four games. So like Palace's underlying performance has actually been like pretty decent um so if you really want to judge DeBoer I think you you have to look at how the team is performing there just must have been something behind the scenes where like I mean there just must have been like these guys are not going to play yeah and I mean I don't I don't know if I think DeBoer is the greatest manager in the world I think he does sort of tend more toward the Louis Van Hall like the more we have possession the better our team is without actually focusing on like creating something out of that the results have been bad, but the team hasn't been. The performances haven't really been that bad. Yeah, um, it's just it just smacks of them not having any clue what they're doing. But now it's like, like Mike said, they're bringing in Roy Hodgson most likely, and he the roster is a better fit for Hodgson than it yeah. was for DeBoer. Let me ask so. you guys this: Do you think that anybody else in the Premier League should be worried about their jobs right now? There's already been talk a lot of talk about Slavin Bilic. He has been sort of feuding with the front of the, the brass of West Ham, the owners. Uh, I believe he endorsed the joke or the the barb by the sporting lisbon director where something involving a bag of dildos with david sullivan i guess those guys made their fortune off sex toys so it was pretty appropriate there's rumors that rafa benitez could be bought out of his newcastle contract for six million pounds and that west ham is considering that there's also rumors that west ham were looking at the napoli manager which would be incredible yeah well to that sorry uh (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think that right now it's it's like it's just way too early to be making these changes. There's not really I don't really think there's anybody else here. I suppose like uh, Craig Shakespeare could be in trouble if Lester thought that they could get a bigger name back in. I don't yeah, know who yeah. that would be, but they, Lester seems like the kind of team that's going to be in the going to be mid table. So I wouldn't necessarily worry about that too much. Yeah, Lester's had a tough schedule too. I mean, I think just looking at the teams, like Bournemouth has been really bad this year, but I they're. They're going to pretty die with Eddie Howe. Howe. Yeah, they, sh- they they should. I think it's more about whether Eddie Howe is committed to them. I mean, like because he's yeah. been rumored to get bigger jobs before. Yeah. Okay, let's keep it moving. Before we go, what was the most expensive mistake from this weekend in terms of you know people? But they we, we've not come to the end of the transfer window. What was an expensive mistake you saw on display? Uh, I'm just going to say, yeah, pick any <laughs> Everton player. Yeah. So Ryan and I disagreed <laughs> mildly about this um, because. I was like, oh, I'm kind of interested in what Everton's doing. They're getting all their business done early. They're buying young British talent to give themselves an identity. Rooney's like probably going to be like decent at that level, get a lot of the ball. 
Yeah, that uh, that hasn't quite happened. Um, I think Everton are the most boring team in the league, and that's saying something in a league where Burnley uh, and Brighton exist. exist. <laughs> um, it's just we. The, my problem with all of the summer talk of Everton, you know, maybe breaking into the top six was that Everton lost Lukaku, who is one of the best players in the Premier League. Yeah. They yeah. didn't replace him with yeah. anyone Anything. near as good. Lukaku yeah. is killing it for Man U right now. But Sigurdsson, though. <laughs> <laughs> and they spent a lot of money on sort of guys that, like, wouldn't play for any of the teams above them. Yeah, you know what I, mean? I did think it was, like, I was just saying, like, keepers don't get blamed for anything. Like, Jordan Pickford got worked this yeah. weekend. Yeah. By Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I think, the other my other issue with them is that they play such a slow style yeah. that's like so well, anti Koeman's, what everyone Koeman's else does. Yeah. The only I think it's um it's Swansea and Bournemouth are the only teams in the teams in the league that have taken less shots than Everton wow. so far. And Everton, you know, supposedly was going to challenge for the top six. So I think they're also they're playing a style that like severely limits their ceiling. Yeah. Also. Um and it it's weirdly they also are like somehow missing Ross Barkley. <laughs> they just have no one who can create or like push the ball forward. They've been, I think, the biggest disappointment. Did so you far have this an expensive year. mistake, Micah? No, that was pretty much going to be it. I mean, like Everton has no, like there's just a, a vacuum up front. I All mean, right, that's the Premier League. We'll get out of there, and we're going to do a quick run around Europe, uh, just because I think uh, I watched a lot of. European football this weekend. So did you, Ryan, I know. Micah, you were in Europe, so congratulations. <laughs> um, and we wanted to just talk about some of the bigger teams in the, the big European leagues because a lot of storylines coming out. The first thing I wanted to say is that um, this is definitely the time of year where um, after like a very long basketball year, right, and you have like a long summer of free agent signings and stuff like that, and like you're very involved in basketball, and then you come in, and like while soccer is starting, like football is starting, like there's just like a lot to watch on TV. There was there was tennis this weekend and everything. So I watched, I feel like I've watched a ton of sports between like Thursday and Saturday night, and I just watched Oklahoma State, Ohio State, and I was like just kind of like really burned out. I was going to maybe watch a movie or something like that, but I was like, you know, let me watch, let me watch a couple minutes of Barcelona Espanol on DVR. And that like, it would be like just being like, I just felt water for the first time. And that, <laughs> happens, that happens every once in a while with Barcelona. But this sort of um, iteration of this team without Neymar, I am not doing Ewing theory because you can't have Ewing theory if you've got three other Patrick Ewings on the team. But the version of Barcelona without Neymar made a little bit more sense to me. And I just want to say, since this is apparently the Defender podcast, Nelson Semedo is a real one, and it was like <laughs> one of the best fullback performances I've seen in a really long time. Yeah, Barcelona was... beat Espanyol five nothing. You know what? Espanyol was not that bad. Espanyol was like trying to do some interesting stuff. They're managed by Kiki Sanchez Flores. And there was like they the were doing this thing. Anderson of La Liga. I know. And Graham Hunter, the uh, color commentator for uh, BM, was trying to explain like this almost like this basketball full court press they were doing where they were trying to split Barcelona's center backs so that they couldn't play out of the back hmm. as well. Uh, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, we got a little bit of Dembele at the end coming on for Gerard Delefeu, uh, yeah. who I. I feel for him because he's gonna I get replaced. don't feel like he was exactly like that wasn't like at the top of the shopping list for Barcelona was to bring him back from Everton. And I think I feel like that was just like, what do we do with this guy? But he was playing in the front three with Messi and Suarez and, you know, like tried to do some things. And 
I was definitely just like, didn't look like a Barcelona player. He would like get the ball and do like 15 step overs and like three guys would be like, what are you doing? Get rid of it. Um, But he was replaced by Dembele later in the game. We got his Barcelona debut. There's something about watching Barcelona when they're getting pressed and it's like Busquets especially had like it's a really great game where it would just be like three guys would be on him and he would make one like 20 degree turn and make a five foot pass and the entire defense would collapse because of like the angle he found. And it, it really is like, you know, there's been many versions of the Barcelona team since they kind of came back to prominence in the mid 2000s or whatever with the right card Ronaldinho teams. But Jesus, like this was just incredible to watch. Yeah, this yeah. is one of the best games they've played in a long time, I think. And I, I think the thing you're saying about Neymar and the Ewing theory, like part of what made the Luis Enrique Barcelona teams amazing was that they basically only needed three players to attack. Yeah. And the rest of the team could essentially just defend. And that would just, it just protected their goal and they created a ton still. It's actually really simple. But this team, it seems like much more cohesive yeah. and like holistic, I guess. Um, like front to back was totally connected and just having Semedo and Jordi Alba just bombing up and down the wings. Jordi Alba was phenomenal. And, you know, when defenses have to worry about the two fullbacks, it just opens up so much space for Messi and Suarez. Yeah, those guys are just like dive bombing towards the the touchline. Yeah, the second third goals, I mean, like any time that you have a team so flummoxed that Messi finds himself in five yards of space inside the box, like... It's a wrap. Yeah, thanks but for coming. But that's what I'm saying. Is like I didn't feel like Espanol was like a pub team or something. Like mm-hmm. yeah. they they played well and they they yeah. play, they could they could pass a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was just they just got lit on fire. It was yes. just amazing. What did you think of Dembele on his debut? And not a lot to see, but he did some things out there where you're like, oh, this could be really good. The, the assist of Suarez was sick. I mean, that's what you get from Dembele. It's like so many players are going to take a couple touches or like cut in from the wing um, when they get a ball. It was a through ball like played from around midfield and Dembele just sees Suarez make the run, plays a one touch bent ball into the far post and Suarez taps it in. That's like the sort of like efficient creative play that yeah. I think the team maybe hasn't really had. You felt like he was playing like more of as a, as a strict winger though, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, when he came on it was it's felt more like Messi and Suarez kind of as a pairing and then Dembele off to the right. Yeah. Kind of a lopsided formation and it worked. Um, I think Dembele said that Suarez told him when he came on, get me the ball and I'm going to score. Yeah. And uh, that's good. Dembele did, did just that. And I think the other thing, it's like Barca was like rocking Espanyol with Delefeu on the field, basically like providing no value, if not <laughs> yeah. providing negative value. And I mean, I respect how he. Like, if you're playing, you're not as good as everyone else in Barcelona, just, like, give the ball to someone else. They'll f- get it back to you in space. Yeah. He just kept being like, no, nah, this is this is me. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm on the wing, and I'm going to take yeah. two defenders I have Messi on. and Suarez standing yeah. there, but I'm going to try to dribble through their whole team. But putting in a performance like that and then upgrading Delefeu to Dembele, is, it's pretty scary. I'm sure we're going to get out of this podcast recording and find out Juventus is up 2 or 3 nothing. but <laughs> yeah. Barcelona definitely looked like the best team in the world. Uh, one of the best teams in the world... Um, or maybe not, is Bayern Munich, who lost 2 nothing to Hoffenheim, which is not in and of itself a miracle of science, but happens so infrequently in Germany that it's worth noting, and also worth noting that trusted media outlet, the dailymail.co.uk, <laughs> has reported that Carlo Ancelotti has a deal in place to go to China, maybe even as early as January. Um, I... I I really like Carlo Ancelotti. I think he's just yeah. like a cool guy and he's just, his team's played really nice. I mean, I just don't understand why he probably should have never left Chelsea. Like, I just feel like 
you know, I don't understand why like you would get rid of Carlo Ancelotti ever, but it's never been perfect at Bayern. It's never been a perfect fit. I don't think. I think that there was like a real maybe a pep hangover. I don't know. They obviously have won. Did they win the treble last year? I can't even remember. But like they they do their thing. I think that with Bayern. Champions League and winning the Champions League is the most important thing, but they don't want to drop points to teams like Hoffenheim. Yeah. No, I mean they, you know, they won the league by 15 points last last year. But I think anyone who watched them, it was definitely a step back from the Guardiola teams. Those teams, like, there was never really any doubt in the Bundesliga with Guardiola's teams. They walked to the title every year, and I think, you know, Ancelotti is. We've talked about this before. He's the manager who is the best at like fitting all as much attacking talent as possible onto right. the field. A lot of egos too. Um, but Guardiola kind of created this like very intricate system in Barcelona that also used all these incredibly talented players. So I think Ancelotti coming into that, it's a tough situation, but now it's like they've been fine the, the first couple of games. Yeah. You know, Hoffenheim scored off of like essentially a quick throw in. Mm. Um, but like, the point of Bayern is for them to be way better than everyone else in the Bundesliga, and that's not how they've looked. It does so seem far. like they're kind of, like a lot of their success or failure depends on Lewandowski. Yeah, which I mean, is like there's worse people to depend on. Exactly. If he's not converting chances, which I mean, like is I, that is rare. Yeah. I mean, it, like it's a freak accident for for them to lose two to Hoffenheim on two Marcus goals. I mean, like it's and for Lewandowski to clip the woodwork, like what? How many times? I mean, like he had he had a couple of very decent chances. Yeah. Like, I guess the thing, like Lewandowski recently was basically complaining that they that Bayern was only spending fifty million on players while right. their competitors were spending double. And Thomas Mueller has essentially gone to the press and been like, "I don't know why I'm not playing." Right. Um, and those are like two of the core pieces to the team. Yeah, so. I don't understand. I mean, like I guess he's talking about like Real Madrid and Barcelona and PSG, right? Yeah. I mean, like that's just the the. Like I think Bayern buys a lot of talent from inside of Germany, and then and once once a year or so they buy like a big name player from outside. I don't know. I mean, like, did they want to keep Sanchez? Like, what what's the, what's the yeah. deal here? I mean, they they brought in James Rodriguez, who's like, it's it's like the like Bayern is the Stoke of the Champions League, yeah, league, right. Like bringing in the disgraced former world class player, like Arturo Vidal, <laughs> after he wraps his Lamborghini around yeah, the yeah. Yeah. post. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you look at the roster, and it's still like incredible the dudes this team has yeah um, they'll be fine uh another team that will be fine is psg any early reviews ps <laughs> just like watching watching highlights of just just isolated Neymar highlights against any time any time that they play at liga is just kind of like watching my brother you know <laughs> play in practice against like my team when I was like U13. It's right. crazy. Like it's like I like I worry about your brother whether or not Robert he's going to exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just worry about like him getting injured from somebody just getting super frustrated and being like, "You know what? Fuck your knees." And I, then, it, it, I guess this is cool. They won like what 5-1 again. The Cavani, Neymar and Mbappe, Mbappe have like I, I saw some stat about like how many goals and assists they have already together and it's just like kind of absurd. Yeah. I'll be very interested to see them in Champions League. I mean, Celtic might not provide the greatest challenge, but don't, it'll be Don't talk about Brendan Rodgers like that. <laughs> <laughs> think of the supporters. To me, um, think of the supporters. The the thing about that game, um the most recent game is like Last year, we didn't really get, like, Monaco was just counterattacking nonstop. And yeah. this game, Mbappe was getting the ball in traffic and still looked incredible. So it was like a situation I'd never seen him play in before. Yeah. Um, 
Like Mbappe. What a challenge. Mbappe, <laughs> Mbappe is currently elite. Yeah, already right um which is scary all right uh we want to get out of here but before we do i just in champions league starting this weekend we'll probably starting this week we'll probably have some champions league reactions next week when we also do premier league reactions but micah let's start with you i want to get one champions league sleeper that people should be watching napoli very easy like it, that group with them in manchester city i mean just napoli just listen if you're listening to this just go onto youtube and watch just search Napoli playing out of the back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it'll be like 16 passes and they end up with a chance on goal. Yeah. Like 40 seconds later. They do. They also, once they get across the mid, if they have any sniff of counterattack, the verticality, the amount of guys who just go on, like I'm going running at the goal from wherever I am on the field is incredible. Yeah. That front three of Insigne Mertens and Calona is just like, I mean, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The marvelous Smurfs, as they know. <laughs> um, I it, hope this guy doesn't go to West Ham. That would really bum me out. That, that would suck. That's not going to happen. Okay. Um, Maurizio Sarri, who was a banker until age 40, and oh. now is like one of the best managers in the world. Um, Pep Guardiola called Napoli one of the three best teams in the world Did he? recently. Um, I don't know if he considered Man City in there, too. Right. But yeah, they're just like, the thing about Napoli is that there are, some, there are a lot of like teams that possess the ball a lot. And it's just kind of boring, and it's a way for them to suck the life out of the game. But like Napoli, basically every player when they get the ball, if they're facing the opposing goal, their first look is to play a ball straight through the defense, basically. Right. right. Um, which is like there is this like irresistible forward momentum. Yeah, and this has like play. been the major. Not I don't know if it's an innovation, but it's the major tactical shift since. I think a lot of teams tried to play possession Barca style after the Pep Guardiola Barcelona teams, and everybody was just like, you hold the ball, you hold the ball, you keep possession, like chances come out of possession. And now since Klopp at Dortmund, and I think, you know, seeing some of the Bundesliga philosophies go across Europe and seeing Sarri's teams, like people are trying to break. They're trying to break, and they're trying to break in numbers, and they're trying to move the ball forward towards the goal as fast as possible. And it makes for really exciting football to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not, there's also the, like, you know, 1990s way of always look to play the ball forward when you just step on the ball and you bomb it up to yeah, the center yeah. forward. Napoli is playing, like, a 30-yard ball on the ground to a striker who's then dropping it back, and then another guy's making, like, a third-man run in behind. It's, uh, uh, another team that does play like this, who is my sort of sleeper team in the Champions League, is Leipzig. Um, not the most beloved team in Germany. You can read tons of articles about the somewhat controversial rise to prominence of this club, but as an outsider... It's just really fun to watch them play. They have uh, Timo Werner, who might be one of the best young strikers in Europe, um, who is just like a very, very, very good goal machine and focal point of their attack. And they have my large adult son, Nabi Keita, who I will wrap <laughs> in bubble wrap. Yeah. Uh, and I will physically assault anyone who touches him. Yeah. Ryan, who's your hipster sleeper Champions League team? I'm going to say Liverpool. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I... The the old school sleeper Dortmund, I think. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're the the biggest reason to pick against Dortmund is because their group is so tough, um, with Madrid and Tottenham. Yeah. Um, but you know, you've talked we've talked about it a couple times, the with their new coach, Peter Bosch from Ajax, like he's taken it was already turned to one hundred and now it's at like hundred and thirty. Um, mm-hmm. the way they try to play just like bombing the ball forward also just seems to have like where's Tuchel there was stuff about like whether Tuchel was using guys the right way or whether the players particularly loved him like 
people's the players seem really happy there right now. And I know that Nuri Sahin, yeah. for instance, is having kind of a renaissance with under Petter Boss. And for what it's worth in Champions League play, Petter Boss led Ajax to the Europa League final last year. Yeah. Mm. And so he obviously knows his way around a tournament. Yeah, they also they have lost this, this less. That's, <laughs> they also have this little known uh, American player named Christian Pulisic. Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun to watch him against the top competition because you think about how frustrating it must be to play on the United States men's national team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with that, we are out. Again, I'm gone for the next two weeks, so these guys will be your captains for the next couple of our FCs. Until then, don't get relegated. 